Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three, count them, three planks to our writing manifesto. One to help you write more, two to help you write better and three to help you be a little bit happier as you do it to that end. I do shows where I look at listeners' first pages of their novels or short stories that they're working very hard on and I suggest ways that they could try and make them better and some things that might not be working in them. I get authors onto the show and I have a little chat with them and I ask them how they do what they do. I get neuroscientists and uh, social psychologists and uh, various people onto the show to talk about the psychology of writing and how creativity works in the brain and some of the benefits of writing. And occasionally I just talk to you, the listeners, uh, one-on-one I just say hello and then I uh, talk and I record it and uh, I don't plan it I don't edit it I just talk about whatever's on my mind in my writing and those tend to be known as uh, writing rambles and then it's not a terribly uh, groundbreaking f- formula uh, uh, a- any of those really but especially the the last one I'm just sort of gabbling into a microphone it's the easiest and the uh, I think probably most common way of uh, podcasting because you know because we can all all do it but it's also it's also something that you just don't really get anywhere else maybe in like diary entries and I can see like all the reasons why you might not enjoy it right it's just somebody talking uh filling time potentially without anything particularly interesting or uh novel or revelatory to say uh, but at the same time, we don't often get to hear that in people. It's also why I really like the format of doing long form interviews with authors. Because, well, I, I'll tell you what I've been up to um, the last couple of weeks. And uh, I'm on, honestly, at the moment, I'm in a place I've had some like, sometimes I've recorded these. This is going to be a writing ramble, by the way. This is a writing ramble. This is just going to be me chatting. If you haven't listened to the show before, I would suggest you don't start here. Um, these are episodes that some people I know you've written to me and you sort of enjoy these ones as like a little palate cleansers. It's nice to hear what old Timmy sees thinking and, uh, we just get to check in with uh, each other, except I don't check in with you. Um, but then sometimes you write to me. So there is, there, there is a two way communication. It's just asymmetrical, but, um, I, I, I'll tell you what I've been up to and, uh, and where I am and it sort of explain everything um first of all if you're signed up to my um weekly writing workout i just want to uh, apologize it sort of went on hiatus for it was what was meant to be two weeks and has now become a month um i'm gonna get back into it next week i've just had stuff on and i've just been sort of get i'm sure you've had this but like just hit a little dip i'm i'm not super sad or anything at the moment i'm doing all right so it's not like you know some acute mental health collapse i'm just t- feeling tired my focus is a bit off my i've been having some problems just feeling a bit addicted to playing games on my computer um i'm just finding it hard to knuckle down i mean i've been doing bits and bobs i have got some stuff done but i don't feel much focus or drive at the moment and uh or in certain areas i don't feel it and i'm i know because people write to me i know that for most people this is not a unfamiliar state of play right like this is not a 
hugely controversial thing to experience but sometimes we kind of imagine oh I'm just a bit tired number of friends I say oh I'm just oh, I'm quite tired at the moment or oh, I've just been kind of like a bit behind by things it's quite rare it's I, I may I mean again this is the kind of like this is there's a whole cognitive biases this is the availability heuristic I can call to mind more times now I'm thinking about it where somebody has said oh I'm a bit tired or oh, I'm a bit behind on stuff than when they've said I'm doing really well I'm, I'm writing I'm focused I'm kind of like putting stuff down and you don't know how when whether people are being modest but I do find this kind of lack of focus this tiredness this just kind of chronic but non-acute malaise when it comes to work and focus and all this thing just feeling like <sighs> that's how I'm you know I'm feeling at the moment I don't feel like I'm making huge strides with any of the things I've got to do but partly because like my work's so diffuse I'm working on a novel I'm working on this non-fiction book about anxiety and panic which I went to London yesterday and I interviewed three different people working in different disciplines and I went and did a fourth sort of experience for the book as well that was just sort of on on the spur of the moment and um I really I and I'm I'm quite bushed today from like traveling into London and back and, and talking to people I, I must I really I sort of start started working on this non-fiction book sort of a bit in two minds whether it's something that I'd really was that interested in doing you know it seemed like a lot of work and as I've started to speak to people and hear stuff and and then I went through a period of realising I didn't understand as much as I thought I did about anxiety and panic in the brain and all these kind of things. I really recommend to you guys like trying to write a non-fiction book at some stage because it is... it is There is a kind of magic to it in it, in your life because especially if it involves you going to speak to other people or do things, you know, it's not a pure memoir where you're just recollecting your past, then you you slowly start to feel like you have license to pester people really i mean i i i use a non neutral term to sort of slightly jokingly but you you start going i'm just going to see if this person wants to speak to me and you send them a little email or you just go i'm going to go to this place and do a bit of research and you just it just knocks you out of your normal routine and when i was writing we can't all be astronauts i remember that feeling of suddenly going oh i can just I can just drop this person a line and see if they're interested or I can just go and do this thing and we'll see what happens and you slowly your life starts changing around some of the needs of the book and you feel a bit like a detective who's like on a case and of course a lot of that is confirmation bias right uh, incidentally since I learned about confirmation bias it's popping up everywhere there's a poor joke um but no you but you start like your world starts shifting into this lens and and i think actually you can get that when you're researching fiction as well if you take your research seriously that you start like picking up seeing a uh, second hand books in a shop window and going in and they have to buy it or you go somewhere because you want to research this one specific type of uh inkwell or something like that and you you start going to places you wouldn't normally in fact that was true of when i was writing the honors that i started doing country walks and going to national trust properties and things like that stuff that i was not interested in at all beforehand and then you start you know your life becomes different and you're exposed to new things and you start to that new input starts to change you as a person a bit and so i've been finding you know i'm starting to get the first inklings of that and it's quite addictive and it's quite 
it's quite sustaining but i just feel shattered i feel absolutely shattered i walked i got twenty thousand steps on my fitbit yesterday just toddling around london like a pranny speaking to all these different people being late to every single meeting i arranged somehow uh but it's really really interesting and i've kind of gone through that kind of like initial nadir where you realize you don't know as much as you thought you did and you go oh no like what i thought the story was or what i thought i was going to be talking about that isn't true so is there just no story here and then you start deep diving into it and you find other stuff and you find smaller things and you find surprising things and and that's the where I'm at at the moment. And I'm very trying to do due diligence on not misrepresenting science because almost every book I've read on anxiety and panic has really bad science in it. Like just doesn't the author just doesn't really know how to read studies they don't make critical judgments on the content of uh things that they're told by uh quote unquote experts stroke pundits um you know they haven't parsed any done sort of any original research themselves apart from uh sort of anecdotal or and you know there's a place for qualitative data you know chatting to people but those stories have a kind of wicked, uh, you know, re- case studies, speaking to individual people. And this is why, you know, as novelists, right, this is why fiction is so powerful. Because if you start telling a story, you know, oh, if Jesus used parables, right? The, the, the Buddha used parables, you know, the, in, in all the major religions, there are these, you know, the, the art of, of using a, an illustrative story to make a moral or educational point, you know, to elucidate some principle of how you should conduct yourself. The sort of narrative structure is, for whatever reason, it just has a kind of like, a wicked influence on the human mind not wicked in the sense of evil just wicked in the sense of big and um it's hard not to start having confirmation bias it's hard i'm sh- you know i'm worried it's going to happen to me with this book that there's stuff i want to see right the stuff i want to discover there's controversies i want to overturn there's counterintuitive facts i want to find and present to people and go hey look at this it turns out this but you've got to be really careful because you can then start interpreting data in a, in, in a way completely unconsciously that that supports that and i, I think I, I sort of bring this up partly because like as you can tell like i'm sort of really deep into this non-fiction project while trying to write a novel and i'm just feeling a bit i'm, I'm having a little bit i'm feeling a bit fraudulent to be honest i feel slightly like i'm falling behind with stuff i'm just getting that feeling of again and i you know i've done some editing on the novel this morning and i've put you know putting stuff that i'm sort of integrating stuff and integrating the voice and i feel like i've now can finally i've got a bit of a sense how i might bridge the gap between a bit i sort of stopped at and then the ending of the book and so you know it's probably certainly the first draft is three quarters done maybe the book is only sort of 50% or 60% of the way there but certainly the first draft is done so I'm you know I'm working on a novel I'm working on a non-fiction book I know I've got to at some stage record what's going to be the 
second inter- iteration of the Couch to 80K writing bootcamp, but what I'll sort of see more as a kind of like 100-day writing workout. You know, like it'd be something, you know, a few people have said to me, oh, I wish I could do something longer. And although it will it'll be, you know, partly a kind of remix, I, I think, you know, there's only so many ways to, I'm not going to reinvent the, the wheel here, but, you know, doing a, another free course is something that, you know, the Arts Council give me some money to and I need to finish off that and get that out there. So that's, so probably, actually, this is one thing to mention, probably this season of death of a thousand cuts probably will finish on maybe episode 50 or maybe i'll sort of take it up to episode the 200th episode because we're on like 178 179 at the moment episodes so maybe i'd like to do something special for episode 200 and then i will sort of take i will go dark briefly while i um while i start writing and uh putting up the sort of big free writing course which hopefully will have some stuff in that'll be useful for people who've done the other one but will also be a sort of bigger thing that people can come and will be less about here's how you finish i think you know initially i thought well i'll just do one that takes you all the way through to writing a novel but like i'm starting to feel from the feedback i've got from couch to atk and stuff that that's less important than doing something that just lets you work on your creativity and gives you broad starters and then if you want to go away and sort of keep writing a novel that's fine but I think like the probably the least helpful I can be is just like coaching you through writing this novel because not all of you want to write novels and that's fine actually that's a great place to be but but maybe generating ideas and stretching you in different ways to help build your your confidence you know I, I want I want to be careful not to talk about too much stuff that I've been sort of researching for the non-fiction book because I've become this week and I don't think it's the first time in my life I've been this kind of person but like quite a bore um sort of regurgitating to anyone who I speak to like half digested ideas from the last psychologist or psychiatrist or theorist or researcher or whoever that I've spoken to um but one thing that's been sort of tickling around my mind is the value and the uh, rewards of changing your routine, stretching yourself, doing something unexpected, the kind of cognitive rewards of that and the mood rewards of that, how it makes you feel better, but how it also helps, you know, develop your ability to you know how it helps that working at the kind of like edge of your abilities and always challenging yourself a little bit in a way that's not so much that you just feel frustrated but that's enough to uh kind of stimulate growth in whatever form that takes uh is that's really that's that's really useful and there's a load of ways you can implement that in your life but i want to make sure i've done you know i want to do the course in a way that you know it gives a tiny little daily bit of not the unknown but just a little bit of like a like a limited thing that just pushes you a tiny bit I think that that's quite exciting to me you know so that's what I'm going to be so I'm thinking about that's what I'm I'm working on and then I got this novel and yeah not you know you get I get to you get to a point in a novel and maybe you hit like a 
different people have different sticking points some people find it ages to get really hard to get started but then once they start like something catches and they go yeah and then they're off to the races some people get sort of fifteen thousand words in and then they're like oh and, and that kind of like they you know they wrote a very exciting first scene where or a cool thing or a very emotional first scene or that you know they wrote something where they were kind of like running on they, it was just like a big improv scene to start with. They kind of just go by the seat of their pants. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they put the stuff down. You get to 10, 15,000 words and you either you've taken a sort of wrong turn or you've run out of plot and you go, oh, maybe I should stop here or whatever, you know, or you just or something in life gets in the way. And you because this is the thing I think that's so. So li- so. I don't think I ever see said about writing novels or writing any sort of doing some big creative project, which is that we're like human beings existing in the world, right? We, we, we have jobs, we have families, we are temporary aggregations of um, sentient meat. Um, And if you're writing something that takes you a while, and I know it's like novelists who say that they sort of sit down and write a novel in three months or four months or five months or six months. I I mean, if you can do it and there's an audience for it, that more power to you. But I suspect the answer to how they do that is that, is that the, the, the writing is a bit shit. Sorry for casting shade. I mean, like it's no, I mean, no, that's just my tastes. You know, I, I, I as you know, I sort of like slightly sort of fancier more baroque or just worked prose but it's it's tough to make a living doing that because it takes time right and if you just go i'm gonna make the on a sentence by sentence level this is gonna be bum but i'm just gonna hammer it out so i can get multiple books out and maybe i'll learn a bit from doing lots of books i can see why authors do that because it's it's a tough it's a tough scene to make money and if you're not really pumping the books out anyway um, um, that's by the by um but if you're spending like a year or 18 months writing a novel or two years you know i've spent two years writing a book that's not uncommon um you know we had joe dunton on the show he talked about spending six years uh writing his third novel if you spend that time like what are the chances that like some major life events aren't gonna intervene what are the chances that you're not during that you know be dumped or be bereaved or lose your job or go through an illness even if it's not like a major illness you know even if you just have like a really bad like cold or like you have flu for two weeks or you sort of break your wrist or something like that you know they don't have to be life-threatening or anything they can just be things that kind of put you out of action what if you know you you a pipe bursts or you have to have some work done on the place or you just have to move house or or you know, or even you go on holiday or something like that. You, I don't. I, I was going to use the term. You have to go on holiday. I think because I get anxious, I sometimes talk about holidays as if they're this kind of slightly arduous ordeal, and that can make me seem very privileged and very kind of like up myself. But it is mainly because I get very panicky and scared. So they are genuine. <laughs> sometimes, like lots of elements of them can feel like an ordeal to me because at the moment I'm sort of very um if I'm honest you know really reliant on my routine and I I get anxious if I don't have it I don't think that's healthy and that's something I'm working to change and that's why I'm writing a book um but 
Did you notice how my voice changes in the kind of like goofy voice there? Because I was getting uncomfortable about disclosing my feelings. That's all right, Tim. You're allowed to. You're, you don't always have to be a, a model of, uh, of of self-disclosure. Tim, you can sometimes keep some things to yourself. In fact, sometimes you probably should. But sometimes, sometimes you overshare, Tim. Sometimes, you know, you talk about bodily functions and... Uh, and your own uh, proclivities in a way that's probably not entirely comfortable uh, or solicited from people. So, Tim, it might be sometimes a good idea to uh, to wind that tendency in a little bit, reel it back on the older uh, fishing pole of um, sex jokes. Um, but what, I think what I was sort of stum the point I was stumbling towards is it's easy to get sidetracked writing a novel. It's easy to put it down and then be talking about it four months later and go and I never picked it back up what I would say is any decent guide on how to write a novel any decent advice on novel writing or fiction writing has got to include some stuff about how to be a person in the world while being a writer because you will you know go through a period of depression or stress or a bereavement or a lost love or a, you know a t there's something horrible happens at work or somebody you love is going through a tough time or what's that or po political stuff I mean I've got to get off social media and stop reading the papers because I just can't you know it's still I still have that feeling sometimes of it just being like the end of the world and so many people are just hurtful and nasty to each other and angry and it's it's not that that takes a lot of energy out of me you know um but you've got you've got to at some level account for that in this idea that you sit down and you spend this many months writing a book i mean maybe look may maybe if you're single and you're young and you're reasonably well off or your parents are paying for your accommodation right and you don't have any other responsibilities, maybe your life can sort of be mapped out in that kind of almost monastic, here's where I sit down and write my book, here's where how it gets done. Maybe that can happen. I think for most of us and most people who write, that is not remotely a possibility. I mean, there, look, there are, I mean, there are some, because there are some cool sort of writing residency schemes and stuff like that. But they often require you to sort of leave the country for a month, six weeks, eight weeks to go and stay somewhere and do some writing. Well, like, it's like, what, who, who, who can just like up and leave their life for two months with no, with nothing to sort out? Oh, I'll just, I'm, uh, bye darling, I'm off to the, uh, to a bunker in the Siberian steppe for, for three years. Like, it's, it's nuts. It excludes so many writers who are, you know, happen to be parents or um, have a partner who, you know, not unreasonably would like to see them at, you know, a few, at least a few times uh, over these you know, huge periods. And so there's all that that's kind of like. So anyway, so I'm getting sidetracked. What what I want to say is like it's it's not unusual to have to put down a project for a while that doesn't mean you failed and actually those bits of life that get in the way can and I want to be careful how I say this because it's a dangerous thought to entertain 
because it could be inflected by our procrastination sides as a kind of excuse, a kind of get out of jail free card, right? Um, but often, I would say, those externally imposed breaks are a point where something in the book kind of shakes itself loose. And coming back, there's normally a little bit of an on-ramp. I don't know this book anymore. But actually that slight estrangement from the material often hasn't done you any harm, actually. And it's, you know, the fabled put your work in a drawer for three months. I mean, it's a dated metaphor because it assumes people either wrote it in a book or on a typewriter and have a big bundle of, like, full scap that they're shoving in their desk drawer. Um... Leave it on the counterpane until Michaelmas. But um, that can be helpful. So I'd say, like, if you find yourself in that situation, if you're in that situation now, don't um, lose heart. Also, I I think I can, you know, I can talk about this with a certain amount of, like, informed optimism because I've seen so many people do the eight-week course, the Couch to 80K course, and discover just from doing little bits that writing comes back to them. And it comes back rather quickly and ideas start flowing. And so much can be to do with the framing. Now, I, I, I think probably there is something in kind of like either quitting or putting some kind of hard limiter on uh, social media, if that's something that you find yourself addicted to. I think there's something to be said for deleting all sort of games apps on your phone, if that's something you find difficult or, you know, putting time restriction on YouTube. I think creating or at least experimenting with creating an environment that supports some of the things you want to do is worthwhile. I think I might even experiment with just like making a little notes to myself, just having a little file and noting down things that kind of like afterwards, because we had this episode with Dr. Tim Pitchell that I've talked about, and it you know it ended up being quite a landmark episode of the show. And, you know, he introduced some ideas and some concepts and some theories that I've applied and I know some of you have applied and uh, they seem to have good explanatory power and they seem to, for many people, um, sort of excite some results. But he, he, he was talking about how procrastination is a problem or not of under-regulation it's not that you're just being slack and letting yourself do anything but misregulation where we feel our mood dipping we attempt a mood repair by doing uh, a procrastinatory thing you know by avoiding the work by going and eating a biscuit or playing a video game or whatever we're attempting to make ourselves feel better because we feel that dip in mood and actually if we could only just ride out a little bit of the discomfort we'd uh, get through into something where there'd be more rewards and we'd be happier um, in sort of um, the language of like psychological decision making they call this um, uh, aversive trimming so basically when you're making a decision about what to do we often trim all the options that have an initial upfront cost like that's quite a, because it looks like oh there's this is negative ouch 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 to all of these these are all pain-free so i'll go for these uh sort of decision trees and those are ones that maybe at the in the end uh you will the rewards will be less and you'll be less happy overall but um we're kind of risk averse we are perceived loss averse even if 
on a purely mathematical level we get more by going the other way i mean none of these things are like hugely revelatory to you but it, it can be you know in using this in a slightly clinical language it can help us sort of see what's going on and what the payoffs are for ourselves rather than it just being this kind of like moral test that we're failing this test of fortitude this test of wisdom um that we're failing this test of discipline that we're failing rather than a kind of a prediction error a prediction error where you get a little reward a little reinforcement a little neurocognitive chemical reinforcement for dodging something and it go oh that worked i avoided some some bad outcome and your brain goes yeah that worked well done and we don't see how ultimately it's self-defeating and we imagine that it's because we're weak and we're not weak which you're just making logical decisions based on flawed data right and because you don't do the other thing push through the painful bit you don't actually start to get all the data points that are saying Oh, I pushed through this and it went well. Oh, I pushed through this and it went well. Oh, it pushed through this and it went well and I felt better. Not, I did something and I sort of cleaved to some moral or disciplinary standard that I ought to because that's what good people do or because I have to, but I actually just feel better. Like I I did it this way and I feel better. I'm happier. And, And we just don't, you know, we don't get to challenge that because we go for the thing that's worked. And that's that's logical. It doesn't make you a bad person. And the great thing is, and that's why sort of there's such surprise from people when um, they do the Couch to 80K course, for example. I'm not just like bigging that up because I'm sure it happens in lots of different ways and in lots of different fields. But, they, they you know, they do the course and then they go, wow, I just... And, you know, they kind of credit me as if, like, I'm some genius who created this genius course. But actually, all they've done is, like, I've slightly reframed the problem that they're facing. And then because it's not to do with some kind of, like, internal failure of character, but just a miscalibrated decision tree, right? It's It's easy. It's easy when they when when it's framed slightly differently, they it sort of resets that those those sort of like hardwired behaviours, and they just make a make perfectly logical decision. I'm going to try this out. Oh, it, well, the podcast is already going, and Tim's going to do the timing for me, so I might as well sit through this and just do the bit of writing. And then they do it, and they go, "That wasn't hard." Well, yeah, and you had the your expectation of how hard it was going to be was false, and that's why you were making the decision not to do it. Not because you're you're a bad person or because you lack in, in, in sort of inner fortitude, but because your perceptions were wrong, and that's a very different thing, right? And I I think that's the that's the little sort of message of hope I'm I'm trying to sort of bring to you is like is, is that we can kind of challenge these perceptions in very small ways. We can kind of like make a crack that will spread eventually, you know, by doing your sort of ten minute free write, having a go at that by trying something new by just giving yourself like little ways in um we have the opportunity to make change but i think changing your environment uh trying to create an environment that's conducive to your doing these things i wouldn't make a sort of 
a regimen of it. I wouldn't wouldn't make turn having the perfect circumstances into a rod for your own back. I think what's interesting in a lot of the things that I'm sort of studying is how and it's I mean it's it sounds awful and impossible but I think it's sort of true is that how often motivation is produced by doing the thing rather than oh, I'm, I'm going to do the thing because I now feel motivation um so some it's I think there's a something to be said for occasionally trying to write in like the worst conditions or the, like conditions that you wouldn't think you're knackered maybe can you do five minutes I haven't got anything to write it with could you do it on the back of a you know a receipt could you write a little list of things with a pen could you do it on your phone um you've only got three minutes before you have to go in and could could you squeeze in something now um you know it's the equivalent of like choosing to go up the stairs instead of taking the elevator these things do add up and they build your confidence and they can just uh, again like i know it, it, it can sort of sound arduous especially if you're feeling tired you know like i am today i just this part of me and you know getting a good night's sleep is is actually a good way to sort of prep yourself for, for doing stuff and and uh writing well but again it's not worth then making it a thing so like it's like if i haven't had a good night's sleep i don't need to try you can try and we'll, we'll in at the end in the end it's always best to be forgiving of yourself but you know, because as again as dr tim pitcher talked about the you know being self-critical correlates with lower mood and more procrastination so being kind to yourself is just factually the best move if you want to write more it's it, it's a nice thing to do for yourself anyway but do not kid yourself that by being an asshole to yourself you're gonna produce more work you almost certainly won't uh, so it's worth just being kind to yourself on the basis that it certainly won't make your situation any worse and you'll be being nice to yourself so you'll probably feel happier but the you know there are certainly studies that if we look at the data suggest and of course you know it's always more complicated than this and sometimes we can't replicate these results and sometimes there's flaws in the study design and uh, you know i'm not saying it's uncontestable but it's certainly some some researchers have found as this study in sweden that um the sort of more forgiving someone is of themselves the less that they tend to procrastinate that's a nice thing i think look i think i'm going to kind of leave it there i think i'll keep this one short and sweet uh i hope that's been kind of helpful to you it's kind of like it's a little bit of a pep talk to myself although i have done some editing today but um i'm just feeling a little bit pooped and i just want to sort of tell you that's normal it's okay in fact i think it's like the norm for a lot of people i think we're going through you know if you know if you're online a lot and you're just in the news and you just care about human beings it's always a tiring time to be alive if you read the news and do things you know and care about humans so you know look after people around you reach out to someone find your community you know like get get in touch with people and say hey i'm trying to write and i'm finding it difficult i don't suppose you know could anyone help me help me with a bit of accountability help me with a bit of encouragement help me with you know can you can you do that do you, you want to go into a writing forum or have you got some friends who write or can you go online and i've said you know be careful about not pathologically using online but can you at least use those good sides and say hey folks can you help me a bit or i think i need some support or i'm feeling a bit um 
the, t- the term we use in our house if someone's feeling a bit down and bothered and fed up is flumpsed. I'm feeling a bit flumpsed. Um, that's why I always, how I always describe my daughter if she's just, you know, she can't quite get a thing. She can't, you know, get a shoe on or the colouring isn't coming out how she wants. And she's like, hmm, just getting a bit tearful, maybe a bit tired, maybe a bit worn out after a long day. I say, oh, are you feeling flumpsed? Um, you know, if you're feeling that way, then I think reach reach out and 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 also it can be very rewarding and um renewing to help other writers in that situation uh, as long as you kind of do work but i think you can also contrary wise i think you can also help writers by reaching out getting support and then going on with your writing because that sort of can help inspire other people I think being open about your struggles can inspire other people, make them feel less alone. And I think that's a really wonderful gift. You can, I've, you know, see, I've had friends or people I know, or just writers I don't know online, be honest about things they found difficult, or you know, sometimes mental health issues and things like that. And it's made me feel less alone, and it's relieved some suffering of mine, and um, it's made me feel more connected. And I think that's that. That's a wonderful thing if you're ready to talk about it, even if it's just like, oh, I'm finding writing a bit difficult at the moment. Anyone got any? could really do with some you know uplifting you know just can can you all just can someone cheer me on please um you know i think that's totally fine and it's a lovely thing to like for other people to feel like they can do for you uh but if you reach out and you do that support for other people and then you just go okay look i'm feeling tired today maybe today isn't gonna be for me maybe for whatever reason not going to push it maybe today's a rest day not a growth day or whatever if you're going to do that that's fine you might want to look at some ancillary things you can do again this is a really great reason why stepping away from social media and you know actually just sitting down and reading a book it's so so good maybe just try doing five minutes can you do five minutes of free write can you do five minutes of notes or something like that can we find something that's fun for you to do that will just help build your confidence and reward you um while getting stuff down in 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 the book you know i i would i would you know i would try and limit your time online to make sure it's focused when you are on there because you know the emerging evidence does seem to point towards a an inverse correlation between time spent online and happiness and self-worth so i think it's worth being really careful about that but you know maybe you go out for a walk really really i know it's easy to feel guilty or that's not real work work but it's you know the worst that happens is it's well i suppose the worst that happens is you're struck by lightning or so or carried off by a flock of carrion crows and eaten alive that would be the worst but assuming that doesn't happen you get a little bit of exercise uh it's good for you for the old mental health it uh, you know lifts your mood and it gives you some thinking time i think that could be really really useful in and of itself in any case i said i was gonna wind this up now so um i hope you have a lovely writing week um i hope all things are going well for you um right drop me a line if you uh if you want to say hello or you want to let me know how you're getting on. I get so many now that I can't reply to all of them. Um, I, mean, I could, but I wouldn't have time to do any work. And I'm so crap with replying to stuff anyway. Um, but rest assured, I, I promise you, I do read all of them. Um, well, I mean, I, guess, I suppose by 
definition i probably wouldn't know if some were missing but any all the ones that appear in my inbox i do read and i'm really appreciative of them and i really enjoy reading them um i hope you're having a lovely week and uh all the best with your writing